Welcome to another Carlo and Lloyd Sports Show. I'm Robert Laidlaw. I'm Sean Carlin. Now, Sean, there's a lot going on at the moment with uh, World Cup cricket and Wimbledon, etc., etc. And there's been a few um, discrepancies in what men and females get paid in those sports and many other sports. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's an interesting area, isn't it? And um, also, we've had the World Cup for women's soccer, which was, uh, and our women did very well. And so there was a lot of pushback here to say, hey, uh, looking at the difference in pay between men and women, um, we've had our women cricket team again and our men's cricket team competing. And so even with uh, Wimbledon and tennis, all, that always comes up about equal pay. And then we think more at home. We've got our um, AFL and WAFL, and so there's been a lot of uh, conversation and talk about equal pay there. And so I, I really uh, I don't want to denigrate women's sport at all, and I certainly don't want to get too political about the pay gap, and I believe that there should be. If we're doing an equal job, we should get equal pay. And so, for example, in my workplace uh, as a teacher, um, all of us men and women get paid the same according to our positions and if we might be in a position uh, of a responsibility then obviously pay goes up and of course we can argue there that and look at the difference in how many men and women get opportunities to have those positions of responsibility and that's certainly something in society we should look at but I do uh, I'm always interested in this debate because I think where does the income come from to pay our sports people and I really look at sport, and it's an interesting place because it is a workplace now for some sports. Let's get that clear. For, some, for, for a lot yep. of sports out there, for a lot of people doing high-level sport, they're getting paid nothing. It is not a workplace for them at all. In fact, they're relying on their own income, maybe support from family, friends, government support, and maybe a little bit of sponsorship. So there's a big percentage of people getting nothing, um, and they've really got to work hard. Um, well, that's the old Olympic spirit, isn't it? I mean, in Olymp Olympics, there was... It was purely amateur, like a century. Well, and it is, and it's, and this is again where people hark back to. It's interesting reading some of this. This has been coming up on social media platforms, and people, a lot of comments go, "Oh, well, you should just love representing your country, and, and you should do it for free." And, and think, "Okay, well, fair enough." Uh, but uh, it's a very different world now, and of course, if you are competing at that level, you have to train at a high level, and that means you do, you can't really work full time, or if you are, you're really compromising what you can do. And so at some point, you need to obviously be able to have income so that you can keep training at a high level to represent your country. So it's not as easy as uh, we might make out. But I think sport, it is a workplace, but at high level now, it's really about entertainment, isn't it? And when we look at the income coming in, that's where, you know, if we look at AFL, for example, men's AFL, they get a lot of money for TV, for broadcasting. Absolutely. And yeah. so that is then going to be spread across the clubs and to the performers or the entertainers, the players. And, of course, if they're bringing a larger sum of money in because there's a lot of people interested in watching them, then, of course, they're going to have a bigger slice of the pie. And the, the question is then, should all footballers, men and women, benefit from that? I think at the end of the day it comes down to um, the attraction of, of the sport and the athlete about... Uh, the crowds they're pulling in and the sponsors they're pulling in. I mean, a, a good analogy, of course, is um, movie stars and, and uh, musicians. Uh, there, there's a, a lot more equality in the pay levels at those levels because uh, they're equal performers and they're, they're equal in what they pull in. But you've got to look at, at sports at a certain degree. I mean, tennis is, is one sort of on the mind at the moment. And you look at sort of Ash Barty and, and compared to sort of other 
Aussie men players. I mean, I would prefer to watch Ash Barty just because I feel like she represents the, the Aussie spirit more so. So in that, there's a, a, a case where I would prefer to see Ash Barty rewarded uh, financially better than the men. Well, I think this is where the argument, I, I hope the argument doesn't get lost and because I think, again, looking at the social media platforms and looking at comments there, it's, it's very one-sided to say, hey, hang on, pull your head in, you're not making enough money, you're not bringing enough income in to get paid more. But I think then you, you lose sight of, and your point's a really good one. Ash Barty, for example, I, I'm the same. I'm captivated by her and her achievements and her as a person and her character. And when we start looking, and I'm really tired of looking at some of the stuff we see with our male tennis players, and you think, you guys, I don't want to hear from you anymore. I don't want to even watch you. I don't want to look at you. But I really want to watch uh, that young girl play tennis, and I want to find out more about it. And I think that's where we've got to be pushing because I think the media here in Australia around the world have to get behind these athletes um, and really show them as the people they are because then people are going to be interested. And as you said, we're both interested in that because of what she's achieved, who she is, how she goes about her business. And, of course, that then gets us going, hey, I want to watch that. I want to see how she's going, and I'm now interested in that. I think that's what has to happen. There has to be that interest and a greater uh, slice of the media, a greater slice of... Um, the, I guess the papers and so on where we are looking at our, our great women in sport. Well, I'd just like to talk a little bit about pay discrepancies while we're sort of on the subject. I mean, obviously with tennis, Roger Federer, who's been around forever and he, he is a absolute hero, he, um, he, he got $77.2 million, uh last financial year, which is the top earnings for tennis. Uh, Rafael Nadal was second with 41.1, but you really can't sneeze at some of the women's wages. I mean, Serena Williams got 18.1 million and uh, Callum Wozniak got 13 million. So, whereas they're not equal, they're, they're, they're still sort of up there in the, in the top echelon of, of um, tennis players being paid. So, uh, well, yeah. this is the thing, like you say, can't, not to be sneezed at, but that will where people go, hang on, there's still a big gap. Yes. And the thing is with, with, with tennis is that at tournaments, they get equal pay. And so tennis have done that a long time ago. They said, okay, we'll do equal pay. And then there's arguments there saying, well, hang on, the men are playing more tennis, they're playing longer sets, etc. So is that fair? But a lot of that difference in money comes from endorsements. Yes. And so therefore, again, it, it's, it's, if you're a company with a lot of money to spend and you want to get your product seen, you want to, you attach it to someone famous. And we see that all the time. And so that's happening more and more with Instagram and so on, isn't it? But um, these guys... Obviously, companies go, hey, if it's attached to Roger Federer, we know that we're going to get this amount of interest, we're going to get this amount of exposure, that's better bang for our buck. And so that's where companies, and you, can you blame them at the moment? The argument to that then, the counter argument is, okay, we need to promote women more so that they also have that pulling power. Um, but I think there has to be a shift in the public psyche from both men and women because and we're starting to see it, aren't we? Like the women's grand final here in Adelaide, we had 50-odd thousand people, I think, the biggest crowd. Yep. And again, people go, oh, well, yes, they got in for free. But that, that's, and then beside the point, there were 54,000 people that wanted to go and watch the women's football grand final. And that's a, that's a big statement. And so as that starts to evolve and build, then you create that pulling power. You create that ability to attach. Companies want to be involved because they see it, hey, Kind of the days, you know, maybe still in amateur football clubs and local clubs where a local company says, yeah, I'll give you some money because I just want to support you in the community. I think at high level now that's gone, isn't it? Yeah. It's really about saying, hey, if I'm going to put millions of dollars into this sport, 
as a sponsor. I want to be able to make a profit out of it. I want to get my money back and plus. And therefore, companies have to be very discerning about where they put their money and why they put their money in certain places. Well, you mentioned the AFL, and when you look at the uh, the men's game, which has developed over um, 170, 180 years or whatever it is, but their average wage is $371,000. The women's, which has only been going for three, four, three years, three seasons, they're only 20000 but let's put this in perspective. One is historically because they're only three years old, so they haven't really developed uh, the product uh, per se to, to attract a big enough 